Our scripture reading for this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. Let's pray. Father, we're inviting you to till the soil in our hearts, to plant the seed of your word, to tend it, let it germinate and grow and bear fruit for our lives and also the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. On Thursday of this week, if you looked closely at the tops of universities, cathedrals, things like that, uh, you may have seen a little grouping of people up there. Uh, if you were walking by Peak, uh, you would not have seen this, but I did something I've never done before, I've been here for 10 years, and I did something I've never done, which is I finally climbed this tower that we have right out front here, next to the front door. I finally climbed to the top of it. There's a ladder that goes all the way to the top. And I was really hoping to find um, like bells, or, uh, or, or, the, or the bones of like a, a criminal that we had like imprisoned up there, chained to the brick. Um, turns out it's, it's just uh, dusty. And um, uh, uh, I did find a note though. There was a, a guy named Rick who was the first one up there. And because he was the first one up there, he wrote on there, Rick was the first one up here. So, so I got to see that. That was great. Um, the reason I did that partly was just curiosity. I'd never been up there. But the other reason I did it was because uh, ascending a tower on uh, Ascension Day, which uh, is technically celebrated on Thursday, is a very old tradition in the church. And it really has less to do with remembering the Ascension as it does about thinking about the future and what's going to be happening. So when Christ ascended, he promises to return. And when he returns, all the faithful in Christ will rise up to meet him and, and, and sort of like bring him, bring him back, like accompany him back to his, his domain, his kingdom. He comes to rule and reign again as king and, and his subjects, his faithful subjects, go and meet him and bring him back to earth. Um, this is where the confusion about the rapture comes in. Um, but the whole idea there is not that we're leaving for good, but we're leaving to grieve him, to bring him back to where he reigns and rules. 
This is not a sermon on the rapture. Some of you were like, oh good, we're gonna talk about the rapture. Uh, this, is not a, this is not unfortunately a sermon on the rapture. Love to talk about that some other time. There's some great films about it. Um, but we instead are gonna focus on the ascension. Um, this, this, this waiting in the meantime, this, this what we do as, as, as people, this waiting that we do for Christ to return, for the King to return, is a strange kind of waiting. Uh, it's an unusual sort of waiting uh, because it is a waiting for somebody who is nevertheless already here. Um, when you wait for someone you love, it can be difficult. A lot of us have moved away from our parents. Um, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of uh, kids move away from theirs. Um, sometimes we've lost a loved one. And no matter where we live, we're always, we always feel far away from them. Um, sometimes there's a painful goodbye. This is graduation season, of course, if you noticed. All the, all the um, you know, very proud young people walking around with their bewildered parents um, to the restaurants in Old Town. This, this is the season when we're thinking about graduation. And graduation is a lot about this, this kind of like where to next. Where is my young one going to go into the world, off into the world, and, and will I ever see them again? What frequency? I know my parents thought that when I left Florida and never looked back, um, because I love them, but I don't love the state. Um, this, this, though, this is an unusual waiting, um, uh, because when the disciples, when, when Jesus says goodbye to the disciples, they don't cry, you know, they don't pack them an extra sandwich, they, they, they rejoice. They're thrilled. They're excited about this moment. Why are they so excited about the ascension? Uh, the first reason, Jesus tells us, is because of this word fulfillment. Um, fulfillment is another way of talking about graduation. So in the ascension, uh, Jesus has graduated, we'll say. Um, what is graduation? A, a graduate is somebody who has spent years studying and proving that she is proficient in a certain level of knowledge or, or something like that. Everything that has been asked of her, she has accomplished. And now she has graduated, and graduation is the proof that she has done everything that was asked, and she is proficient in everything that she was asked to do. So it is with Jesus. He passed every test. He moved through every level of humanity, birth, adolescence, adulthood, all of it. He showed us he has mastered what it means to be a human being. He is the fully human one, the truly human one. He has graduated. And now finally with diploma in hand, he ascends into heaven and there he is with God. That is where God is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He goes the whole distance. But as George McLeod said, there's a human in heaven. One of us has made it. Not someone like us. Not someone who sort of looks like us. Not someone who knows us intimately. But one of us has made it to heaven. He is there, fully human, and that means that humanity itself, along with the rest of creation, now has a place in the abundance of the Trinity. It means that the great separation between the Creator and the creation has now been bridged. 
It means that not sin, not even death, can keep us from that love because there is a human being in heaven. Earlier, Jesus says to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is forever one of us. He is forever fully human and fully God. Humanity is like his alma mater. He carries us with him wherever he goes. So that's one reason why the disciples are celebrating Jesus ascending. There's another reason the disciples are rejoicing, and it has to do with this word witness. He says, he says you guys are going to be my witnesses here on earth. You guys are going to be my witnesses. And witness is a really interesting word. It's different than the word for like, um, or, or it's different than the word uh, spokesperson or representative or something like that. Um, if he had said, if, if he had said, you are now my spokespeople, I'm leaving, I'm not going to be here, someone has to represent me, it's going to be you guys, you're my spokespeople. spokespeople. And if he had said that, it would have been a pretty sobering moment, right? Because then they're like, Jesus isn't here, now we have to represent him? Like, what if we mess up? What if we don't do a good job? What if they look at us and they're like, Jesus stinks because you stink? You know, things like that. Like, that, that's a stressful situation to be in. Who is qualified to represent God? Who is qualified to do that? I don't think any of us feel like we are. But he doesn't say representative. He doesn't say spokesperson. He says witness. And the difference is this. A spokesperson speaks for God in his absence. A representative is someone who acts for God when God isn't here. And this is true, honestly, of Many churches, I'm sure I've, I've had moments where I definitely think, like, it's all on me. You know, if anybody is wondering about God and they look at me, they're going to think of who God is when they look at me. You know, we, we take on this responsibility. We think it's up to us to build God's kingdom. What would God do without us to build his kingdom? Jesus, you know, he came, he was here, he fixed our sin problem, but then he left because he got the job done, and now it's all on us. But that is not what a witness is. A witness is a sign of God's presence in the world. A witness is not a stand-in for God. We don't act for God. We don't need to do anything for God. If God is able to raise Jesus from the grave and able to liberate Israel from slavery in Egypt, God is perfectly capable of acting on God's own behalf in this world. As witnesses... What we can do is we can be signs of this working. Um, I think it was Walker Percy who, who gave this great illustration of what it means to be a witness. Imagine you're in a building and you look out and all you can see in the building is the street. And there's a bunch of people in the street. There's like a cop and then there's the hot dog guy and then there's a businesswoman and there's a construction worker and there's bystanders and they're all in the street and they're all pointing up and hooting and hollering like fools. Like they're just, something is in the sky and the people on the street are just going nuts. They're like, whoa, this is amazing. And they're like dancing and twirling and doing like a hoedown and they're just acting like fools. And you're looking out and you can't see what they see in the sky because there's like an awning in the building, okay? But you can see them. And you're like, man, I would love to know what they can see. I would love to know what they're looking at. 
That's what it means to be a witness. Part of it means we're going to look a little goofy. Um, that's why the, the phrase holy fool has sort of entered into Christian lingo. Um, you have people like St. Francis kissing lepers or Dorothy Day giving diamond rings to women who are homeless. Um, we're going we're gonna to do some goofball things, some foolish things. But it's because we've seen something incredible. We've seen something pretty outrageous. It comes down to this. What if it's all true? What if there really was a guy who claimed to be God who died and then came back to life, he's still a human, lives in heaven, and loves us? What if that were actually true? What would it mean? Just think about the things that would cease to matter if that were true. I mean, how we look matters, but would it matter as much? Would the PowerPoint matter? Would, what, 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 what would be as important as that? In fact, it may even be that the things that matter change. It may even be that the, the less perfect we are, that the less foolish we are, the less people can see what's in the sky. Because, you know, if we're like, uh, if we're excited about what we see in the sky and we start breakdancing or doing the moonwalk or whatever, people might focus more on us than what they see up there. And so it may be that some foolishness is necessary to be a witness in the world. It may be that some mistakes on our part are necessary to be holy fools in the world, to be the witnesses of this God, because what could be more important than this God? Nothing about us, certainly not, except that we keep pointing and pointing and pointing to him. That, I think, is what it means to be a witness. Jesus says the way of becoming a witness is not a rigorous path of enlightenment. You know, it's not a, it's not a um, you know, feats of strength. Uh, it's not anything like that. He says to his disciples, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if you just stay put in the city. You don't need to go to Israel to receive God's presence. I'm going to Israel soon, but you know what I'm going to find? I'm going to find a place with a bunch of people just like this place. And it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited about it. But it's not holier than here. This is just as holy as Israel. You can be right where you are. You can stay put. In fact, Jesus says you need to stay put in the city with your neighbors, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your family, all your various jobs, all your various interests. You need to, you need to be in all of it. And that is where you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that crosses the distance between Jesus and us. So that's why the disciples rejoice. Jesus has not gone away, but rather he's come even closer, even nearer than we are to ourselves. As for me, I think I will continue to climb up the tower out front here and stand up there like a fool among the Miller moths and the dust, singing praises.
praying, reciting psalms, and waiting for the king's return. And if someone spots me up there, if someone can see me through the grate or they hear me reciting Psalm 24, I'll just say, yes, I know it is very weird, but there's something even weirder, but also much more wonderful. I'd like you to step out of the building beyond the awning so that you can see too. Amen. We're really glad, Lord, that we have been able to glimpse what it is beyond the awning. Um, we thank you that you've crossed the distance to us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this love that we have with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. And may he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.